and gentlemen, and welcome to another Disgusting Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Thursday Night, yo. Ladies and gentlemen, I, of course, am your host, Charlie, and I'm joined once again by the prolific comer himself, Zelios. It is good to see you on the ones and zeros, or the zeros and ones, depending on your personal preference. Indubitably. Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is the Thursday Night Hangout. It's a live show where we try our best to cover the topics most important to you during the show. If you have not yet submitted your topic, or if you think of a topic or subject or question or opinion anytime during the show, all you got to do is drop it in the chat, be it YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, and we'll try to add it to the show. If we do run out of time, we will add it to the very next show. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. First things first. Um... News for Zelius and I and a bunch of other people out there. Hades 2 has an early release window. When? Tell me. Now. I must know. So, uh, the they basically said uh, quarter two of 2024, which basically puts it somewhere between April and June of 2024. So, make room. You still got a little bit of time, but... Hades 2 is coming. During my calendar, I'm going to take all my vacation days just during that time so I can play like 10 straight days nonstop. Speaking of 10 straight days, I mean, I'm not, I haven't played 10 straight days of, of Starfield, but. Uh, Without sleeping. That's, I, what, that's why you didn't have no topics. You're too busy mining the random worlds. N- no, no. no. Uh, Starfield, I've, I've already put in uh, 50 hours. Have you made it through the self-created tutorial? No. I mean, I know it's not an official tutorial like other games, but the idea of there's so much to learn. No, I have not. Uh, and simply because I, I'm i just, I have it slowed down to like try to figure out crafting. <laughs> so you don't know 50% of the game yet? Basically, yeah. Nice. So what have you been doing? And what is there to do in the game if you're not crafting? Flying around, killing guys, um, dis- uh, discovering uh, what exists on planets, um, going on missions. Did you, did you figure out how to build a ship? Okay. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I, I keep running into this issue where by the time I'm done building what I think is a really good ship... I be I I'm notified that one or more of the components that I've chosen um, is uh, will not work with the grade of reactor I have. Oh dear! And sounds- I don't know. I really don't know what that means. <coughs> um, so the the craftiest I have gotten in um, in this game when it comes to my ship is I added a, a second floor to my ship and I upgraded the, uh, the engine, the fuel tank, and I added um, uh, two um, mods to my ship and that's it. So you played 50 hours and technically you haven't actually made a new ship yet is what I'm hearing. I have updated my ship. But you haven't actually built a new ship, which seems to be one of the purposes of the game. No, okay. So funny thing is, like, like I said, I have built many ships that just have not been 
valid ships at the end of the day. So I've I've had to scrap the design. Is a ship built if it's valid? I don't know. I don't know. Existential yeah. questions for the ones and zeros. What makes a ship? <laughs> yes. What makes a ship? <clears throat> so are you enjoying your 50 hours that you've been spending nonstop in the game? Uh, so I'm now a space pirate. <laughs> so you just steal from everyone? Well, so I was supposed to be undercover and then apparently I was too violent while I was undercover. And so they, the, um, the, like the military let me loose. And so I ended up having to, because what I, I was undercover with these pirates and in the end I was supposed to hand all the pirates to the military, but the military said, you're, you're uh, a loose cannon. We can't have you anymore. We're kicking you to the curb. And so I ended up having to kill all the people that I was working for. Okay. <laughs> so I don't really feel good about it. However, yeah. So, so yeah. There's uh, yeah. So I'm a space pirate. No. Oh. Um, uh, yeah. So anyways. Okay. So Hades 2 early release is, is being scheduled between... Um, April and June of 2024. And I'm sure that I will probably, as I've done every single time, will probably own this game on more than one platform. What was your favorite platform to play the OG Hades? Switch. It was very nice. It was convenient because it was playable on the console or on the actual physical Switch if you had the Pro Controller connected. I tried yep. playing with like the Joy-Cons, and it was just a painful, it was like torture. I just, I can't, I can't play for too long. If it's, if it's action-packed, I can't play with those Joy-Cons for, no. for very long because it's, you know, it's very flat, and so my hands will start cramping. Now, if it's like, you know, like a puzzle game where I could take my hands off the controls that pop them back on, you know, I could take my time, then that's fine. But still, I mean, even then... I, you know, I'm not going to do any long gaming sessions with that. Yeah, I know. Like I, when I played Civ Five on it, I used the Joy Cons, and that was no problem because yeah. it was just you know, navigate around a little bit, but it wasn't like twitchy action. It's that's where it becomes an issue for me. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, um, now I, I saw this news, and I think that because uh, Nintendo has decided, um, because of the successfulness, successfulness, is that a word? It is now. Sure. Um, of the Mario movie, that they're willing to perhaps look at other um, IPs that they own and make movie a movie of it. And the rumor is that the next one... Up will be uh, Zelda, and it will be a live action. Of course, you know that's just you know, that's all the information that they've given or whispered. I guess it's um, all speculation at this point. I I'm excited about it um, because I don't really want to knock the the Mario movie, but Mario, in my opinion, could have stood st stood on his own. They didn't need to try to like 
rope in Donkey Kong, in my yeah. opinion. Now, I understand how why they did it, but at the same time, Donkey Kong isn't in... Unless... Like, I totally missed out that Donkey Kong was has never been part of the Mario universe outside of Smash Brothers. Well, actually, so no, what I'm hearing true. is, is it's more like the um, Nintendo Cinematic Universe. Yes, yes. Uh, I hopefully, in my opinion, I think that Zelda could stand on its own with just Link, Zelda, Ganondorf, and whoever else in the the actual universe. I'll say, like, from a thematic standpoint, mm -hmm. like, Mario, I agree. Like, it's weird to have Donkey Kong in the movie, but think about the Mario games. There's always kind of, like, the mashup things with Mario games. Like, you might get, like, random, and there's, like, so many characters in the Mario. So, to me, that at least, like, it wasn't jarring, at least to have Donkey Kong. It was right. like, okay, that's odd, but it wasn't, like, it didn't really take away from the movie. On the other hand, I agree. Like Zelda is, it's very, to me at least, I think most people agree, it's a very self-contained universe. Yep. Or Zelda, it's Link, it's the baddies, it's, but you're not like basically sort of like Super Smash Brother. You're not doing crazy crossover things. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be no different. Like if you had like Metroid going out, kicking ass, taking names, and all of a sudden like Zelda comes in with their sword, you'd be like, what the hell is going on here? No, no, no. What would make more sense is if you had Metroid, and all of a sudden, uh, Samus gets lost, and then there's Simon Belmont. <laughs> so yes, like I agree, but like those are all franchises that should stand on their own. Agreed. Um, Castlevania is actually a good one too. Like yeah. that makes sense. So I agree. I think Zelda. I would hope that it's that, and it's also again humor in the wor world of Mario makes sense. Like yeah, perfect. Yeah. But like to me, Zelda is more of a serious type of atmosphere. Yeah. Um, they can still, you know, have your light, you know, your lighthearted moments in it, because you know, it's a if it's an Nintendo movie, it's probably gonna have it. Mm -hmm. But to me, it would not be hopefully a comedy. Yeah. Um but definitely, I mean yes. Um I think that'd be really cool to have that actually happen finally. Sign After all me well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I look at it this way. Uh, with Mario, or sorry, with Nintendo starting to break into the cinematic uh, scene, this allows for at least some uh, variation of the IP existing. Because, you know, as, as we've talked many times on this show, Nintendo is very sensitive about um, people trying to make fan fiction of any of their properties. Oh yes, they do not like it. So, but the thing is, you know, as as a fan, as a fanboy, my my main argument is, but if if you have a problem with this, then give us, you know, your own flavor of it, so that we don't have. I mean, yes, people are still going to make fan fiction, fan projects of everything, but at least you would have something that truly has the Nintendo stamp. And I think that's what we're starting to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the reason you have the Zelda fan makes is because there are no Zelda movies. Yeah. That's definitely a large reason why. Like, it was filling a void in the ecosystem. But if you actually get them, as long as it's not directed by Ubal, you might be in good shape. Yeah, I know. No. Um, uh, I've also... 
I've been reading a bunch of articles that have basically stated that uh, you can also thank the influx of Mario remake uh, Mario game remakes that seem to be coming uh, down the pipeline because of the success of the uh, of the movie. Now, of course, you've got my the personal one that I'm probably going to accidentally disappear for oh, yeah. quite a while uh, in November, and that, of course, is Super Mario RPG. Uh, they also have a new Mario game. Um, they're giving a, I believe, HD treatment to um, uh, Paper Mario Thousand Doors, I think is what it's called, which is a great move. It's it's a great game. I loved it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna continue to get a ton of Mario stuff. So yeah, like. See, like, I was not really interested in the Mario movie, but if they do a Zelda movie, that's one I'll be like, okay, I may actually have to go see this. Like, go out of my way to watch it. Right. Well, I mean, I I, I had, I could, you know, um, take it or leave it when it came to Mario, and I was more on the leave it, but I've got two kids who really wanted to see it, so therefore, I've seen the movie twice now. There were actually a lot of Bowsers at Dragon Con, mm-hmm. including one Bowser with a keyboard nice did you go peaches 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 <laughs> he, he made a valiant attempt <clears throat> well at least he tried <clears throat> so um speaking of remakes uh let's talk about the exciting news that final fantasy 7 rebirth which is the second chapter uh, in the remake of the Final Fantasy VII um, franchise, uh, has a release date, at least for the PlayStation 5. When and is the release date? February 29th, 2024. So apparently next year is a leap year. Who knew? I felt terrible because I still have not beat a Final Fantasy VII remake. I did, but... Sephiroth is a mean mofo, and it takes a lot. The bosses in the game are no joke. Yeah, no. They, they, they definitely for me at least. I, I got far enough to at least face a few of them. Yeah, and definitely have to like learn like how to do it. You can't just button mash your way through them. No, and it's and there's a lot more than just the the old school turn base. I mean, in a way, you could play turn-based, but that would sound really boring. Yeah. I, I tried it for like half a second. I'm like, but I want action. But you pay for it. I mean, you can watch the action. It's super exciting. Yeah. As your ass is grass, you get destroyed over and over and over again. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, the AI for your allies is pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah. I found I found him to be trash personally, but you know, just, that's how games go. Just stay out of my way and heal me when my HP is low. That's all you need to do for me. Well, you can cast that yourself. Problem solved. Yeah, but you can't cast it over and over again. You got to cool down. Well, yes, this is true. That's why you need teammates to help. But I'm a solo player, man. I don't want teammates because I don't care about the story. I just want to go bash things with my buster sword. 
Speaking of which, my son is going to be Cloud Strife for Halloween, and he got his Buster Sword for his birthday uh, over the weekend. Is it like eight feet tall like it's supposed to be? It's it's not eight feet tall. It is uh, three and a half feet tall. <laughs> and that thing is long as hell. What is it actually made of? Uh, foam. Ah, nice. Mm-hmm. I like forward to some epic sword fights. Mm. Mm. So, but yeah. I mean, what else would you use a sword for? I don't know. You know, fend off your brother when he's being annoying. That's totally appropriate. Used to. Yeah. We'll probably have to, um, uh, I'll probably have to create some kind of like sword holder for his wall so you can hang it. Oh, that'd be cool. Also need what to, kind of, hmm? what, what material does he have in the sword? See, there's no material. And I was actually thinking about how I would, how I would make some material to put in there. And I think the best route would probably be to, to lean on someone who has a 3d printer. Um, to get like something that would fit in the the notches because there are the notches are there. Oh, they do exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's two of them. It looks like what a bunch of people do because you still see a number of buster swords at the conventions. Yeah, it looks like almost to get like a bowl and then cut it down to size. Yeah, I think that's what they do, or they get a sphere that's clear because like you kind of want like that opaque style. Yep, and then they cut that in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, but yes, I'd be happy to 3D print something also if you get dimensions. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show you some. I'll show you sometime soon. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so <clears throat> let's go. Actually, since we were on the topic of Final Fantasy VII uh, Rebirth, which of course is the the second of the the three chapters, um, there was <clears throat> in my mind, I made the assumption. That if a character existed in the original, that it was a no-brainer that the character, especially if it's a party member, would exist in the remake. Now, apparently... It's a very logical conclusion, I will say. Apparently, there was some some people out there who were under the impression that Vincent, Mm. Vincent Valentine, may not be in the remake, which to me is a head scratcher. So I want I want to ask you the question, Celius. If you're doing a remake, where I mean, yes, I understand. If you've got like um, a <clears throat> maybe there's an NPC that's very memorable that you run into uh, in the game, but they leave it out in the remake. That to me is a little bit different than an actual party member who you can have in the party who has their own moves and weapons and stuff. What is your, I mean, I'm assuming you want the full roster, right? Yes. And I think that's also one thing of final fantasy seven, where you have like a certain somewhat living number of characters versus like a, um, so wicked in where you have like how many characters do you have in so wicked in 108. Yeah. So like living out a couple characters when you're 108, like, that I can at least actually understand. Right. Um, in a remake, especially with FF7, it's not just like a remake. It's, so, yeah, it's not like just a reskin. It's like an entire like remaking of the entire game. So I get to your, like you're saying, leaving out a minor person. Um, of course, there's other questions as far as major pivotal plot points is are some of those going to change in the second 
release. Well, if it's anything like the first, then yes, it's it's you're going to there's going to be a lot more depth to the story than you're used to, and uh, it's already been confirmed that um, oh my gosh, I just blinked out the the guy who it who really lived Cloud's life. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Zach is actually uh, in the game. <clears throat> I don't know if he's yeah, playable, but he is he is there, which does is not in the original game. Interesting. Um so from that perspective, I can understand like minor characters, but it seems like a who is a pretty pivotal and like that people liked, mm -hmm. leaving him out is a questionable decision, I would say. Actually, there is one character that I I don't know. I would be very surprised if they left him out because it's kind of like this inside joke when it comes to um, Final Fantasies. Uh, but it would be really weird if they left out Sid. And the reason oh. is that Sid is actually the only character who basically shows up in every single freaking game. <clears throat> Sid's the man. I'm just I'm looking up the the uh, character roster. The roster. Yep. Because it's going to bug me now. Uh, you've got Cloud, Aerith, Tifa, Barrett, Yuffie. That's five. Red 13, Vincent, Cat Sith, Sid. So nine. Yeah, that's what I counted. Yeah. Hmm. I guess we shall see. I do hope they have Sid because. He's always around. I know it, it's, you know, it, it's it's kind of like it's, in a way, it's kind of like the uh, when Stan Lee was alive. It was like you have to have Stan Lee be some character in uh, in the movie. <coughs> Although I I do love with with all the different cameos that he did. He was totally different characters. Sid is always some kind of like wackadoodle crazy. Uh, aeronautical enthusiast. At least in Final Fantasy XIV, he's also one of the most important like NPCs in the game that you interact with. Well, you know, he's, he's super important to the storyline. He's and put in his time. He has. He's a master of his craft. Indeed. But yeah, I just when when I was reading that article, going and and uh, thankfully. Uh, Vincent Valentine is going to be back. I'm like, why would he not be back? Did he get lost? Wasn't he the one who had like a spinoff from the original Final Yes, Fantasy the Dirge of Cerebus, which yeah. was the it was more the Dirge of Terribleness. <laughs> it was not a good game. Oh, I own it, but it was terrible. I'm glad you hold on to your terrible games. Oh, I've got quite a few terrible games. Some they really could use them as I'm not to that point yet. But yeah, I do I still own some of my terrible games. Nice. Okay, so speaking of games, because this is what we do at Alter Confusion Thursday Hangouts is we talk video games and nerdy stuff. So Let's talk about a an interesting backlash that happened two days ago, September the 12th. 
uh, revolving around a very popular game engine that is basically, I don't know what drugs the, the CF or the, the, the people running the company are on, but apparently the brilliant minds behind unity have decided that, um, at a certain number of downloads, the developer will have to play pay Unity like a royalty fee. Um, and it just uh, I I just I don't understand. I don't. I really don't understand. I mean, this is the same CEO who came. I think it was from EA or one of those mm -hmm. where he was came with the brilliant idea of we could charge gamers money to reload quicker in an online fps yeah like per reload so it's i mean it sucks because to charlie's so basically unity is retroactively it's not just that it's going forward it's starting right. in 2014 it's games that have already been developed and released D 2024 bud is that why i said 2024 no you said 2014 Oh, that'd have been 10 oh, years oh, ago. <laughs> they were retroactively charged you for the last decade. Uh, I'm surprised they would not try, honestly. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, starting in 2024, games that have already been released like today or in the last forever, mm -hmm. um, in 2024, at a certain threshold, I think it's like $200,000 in sales, um, is when they start charging you 20 cents per a download um, for that game and it's so that's the first problem is one it's retroactive so games yep. have already been released on unity like also going to be charged this 20 cent per download fee mm -hmm. uh, there's also all kinds of crazy things because it's like nobody's quite sure 100 percent how that's charged meaning like is it per an install on your computer and Unity's like no it's only per device so does that mean like if I install it on my computer, my let's just say I own three computers at home, am I mm -hmm. like basically charged even though I'm buying it once, is the developer still being charged three times for that? Mm -hmm. Which then means that if people really in like in the age day and age of review bombs, people are gonna figure out that you could do like install bombs and basically do like a virtual machine that repeatedly installs it nonstop and charges them 20 cents for every install. Yeah um it is just all kind or piracy and unity's basically said like uh we'll work with publishers to make sure that doesn't happen right what the frack does that even mean um because you know that then the crackers will work to make sure that like i mean they're smart people and they can probably make it look like it's real that's kind of the whole point of a crack mm -hmm. is that it looks like it's the authentic game right mm -hmm. i mean that's kind of the purpose um one of my favorite things is, is because obviously you have things like the Game Pass and Unity has said that they're going to pass on that install charge to the Microsofts and the Sonys and the um, Nintendos for subscription-based services. And so it's like, do they know that? <laughs> I don't think they do. But, here's, but here's, here's the thing. One of the biggest issues that a lot of developers and gamers have pointed out is the fact that the way that um, like the metrics are kept, depending mm -hmm. on the platform, 
it's done slightly different. So uh, some platforms will easily give you all that data. Some platforms are a little secretive about, you know, all of their um, sales and stuff. Yep. And then, of course, uh, Unity is on cell phones, and that is notoriously Ooh. bad for keeping track of that kind of stuff. Um, and a large part of it is also a huge bait and switch. Yep. Because, like, what a lot of the indie developers use is they basically use the personal edition, which... Yep. I don't know the thresholds of all that stuff, but it works for them, obviously. Um, and at the time, the CEO at the time of Unity was like, this is like or forever thing. Like, forever, this will be how it is. And you developers can know this is what you'll have forever. And it's awesome. Not so much. Uh, so it's also that, you know, the trust that you had in the Unity game system yes you're right nothing is truly forever um is you know that trust that gamers had because what is the next stunt that they're going to pull um to basically screw over the developers and publishers mm -hmm. and that's i think the really hard part is that it's like in the mid cycle of a game's development this changes like damn um i mean you've already had developers say that like they're going to delift their games come january 1st um, uh, I think it was with the lamb. Yep. The developer that already said they're going to delist their game come January first. Mm -hmm. uh, that exact reason. There's another game I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it was a very popular game, um, and they were they're currently working on the sequel, and the developers already come out and said that they're they're stripping all the Unity out and they're going to go with something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, yep. So, I mean, yep. I'll be very <laughs> curious to see what the long-term effect of this is on the popularity of Unity. Because are people going to go to something else like um, Unreal? Thank you. Unreal Engine is obviously a popular one. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what it is, but there's this open-source one that everyone talked about. Um, that's going to bother me. Dang. Um, Godot. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not familiar with it. Um, but everyone was like, Godot's apparently actually pretty good from a game development engine. And it's based on the MIT license, which basically means like it's open source and like has to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously somebody like Unity could buy it and then it all changes. Um, but based on the way the license is created now, in theory it's gonna be that way. But obviously things can change. Um, so yeah, it's it sucks because like I mean I remember using when I taught high school I used Unity as our programming platform and it was great to teach students because yep. uh, they learned C sharp and then for them it was fun because they were creating video games and what you know high school boy doesn't want to create video games mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it was a lot of fun for them but now like myself I would be questioning based on the decision if that's what I want to use in the classroom like right. huh. Knowing what this is going, do I use something like an open source platform like Godot that will be that way going forward? So it this will not right now, because it just released, but you know, years down the road, I could see a lot of developers being like, hmm, I think we'll go with Unreal Engine or something else instead. Not that I trust Ubisoft a whole lot more, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So this is very fun because so in the reality is so many games are made with uh, Unity. I mean, it, it's extremely popular. And it's obviously, they're trying to obviously monetize it more. They want more of the monies. That's what it comes down to. And everyone gets that. Everyone, everyone understands that Unity is in it to make money. I don't think that's the issue. I think a large of it is absolutely it comes down to the retroactive changing of the license. And that's what really kicks the developers in the balls. And it's like after the fact, oh, we're going to do that now, even though you already have games out and you're basically screwed if you don't like this. That's what really sucks about it. Uh, Mithril... Uh, uh, it said Final Fantasy Seven. They want to say it's nine, <clears throat> and that that's what we did come up with. Um, for yeah. What about you as a former developer in the world of Magic? What do you think of the Unity decision? I think it's absolute crap. I I really think that um, you know, Unity was was. It, has been awesome for like the indie developers. A lot of a lot of developers don't um, don't have a lot of money. I know this sounds crazy, but a lot of developers don't have a lot of money. And one of the the pieces to making a game, if you're trying to make it totally from scratch, is a lot of that money will go into cre the creation of an engine, a gaming engine, uh, like Unity <clears throat> or Unreal. And um, when Unity basically had, in the past, this great deal to, to help, you know, get your your game to the masses, um, you know, kind of give, you don't have to go as deep as you would if you were building your own engine. That was awesome. But now to put basically a tax on it after you've accomplished so much. And I, I kind of see... They're they're basically thinking that individuals who um, who are going to be you know the big game sellers are going to make you know hundreds of thousands of downloads that they that Unity wants a piece of that pie. Uh, it's just you know it's it's so tricky the metrics and everything. Mithril says uh, recently got into voice acting. Nice. Um. I would love to get into voice acting, but, um, yeah, another story for another day. Yeah. I just, I don't like it. I really don't. That's, yeah, yeah that, I, I, that's all I could say on that. Sadly, I, it's, it's crap. It's absolute crap. Um, all right. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we pause every week to uh, give a shout out to all those amazing individuals that help Alter Confusion be the Alter Confusion that you love and uh, adore. And so uh, Alter Confusion survives uh, by amazing friends of the show. And so here is the shout out for some of the amazing friends of the show. Let us start off with the Indie Cluster. 
The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts that challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to IndieCluster.com. The next shout out we got to give is to the AV master himself, and that, of course, is Noodle Boy Media. Founded in 2015 by, by Andrew Tran, Noodle Boy Media, previously Wack Kid 47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. Uh, the next shout out we got to give is to all those amazing individuals who are local to Atlanta, who may be getting some aches and pains and cricks and all that stuff because of maybe a couple extra hours of gaming that, you know, you just got caught up in the moment. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you about hero chiropractic. Here Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Here Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible and most importantly suited to your individual needs for more information go to herochiropractic.com the next shout out we got to give is to the music maestro himself and that of course is crosspad creative Need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content, just like Ultra Confusion. Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. And the final shout out we got to give is to the original patron of Ultra Confusion. That, of course, is Agile Axiom. By day, Axe leads both de a development team and system administration team working with satellites in NASA's Goddard campus. But while not in meetings and many times during, he is the agile evangelist Agile Axe, championing the philosophy of agile and trying to make the world a better place for software developers, testers, system admins, and software projects the world over. Decades of experience in software development and leading agile teams are brought to bear against evil processes, inefficient work, and bad habits. For more information and also to check out his book, go to agileaxiom.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you are dying to know, how can I become a friend of the show? Well, it's quite simple. Ultra Confusion survives the love and support of... Fans like you, and so we have a patron page. Patreon lets you, the fans, lovers, haters, demigods, intermitual beings, gods, demons, aliens, werewolves, vampires, swamp creatures, supporters, and more to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career currently we have 
two tiers. There is the $1 a month tier. Uh, that's $1 a month or $12 a year. And not, and not only do you gain early access to all of our playthroughs, but you also gain the ability to participate in patron-only posts and polls to help shape the future of Altigra Fusion. If you're feeling a little frisky, uh, there is the $5 a month tier. That's $5 a month or $60 a year. Not only do you get everything at the $1 tier, but you also gain your name or organization added to the Friends of the Show section of every single Thursday night hangout. So if you want to become a patron of Alter Confusion, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Altered Confusion. Now, let's do one more shout out. And that, of course, is, ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion is proud to say that we have been fundraising for Extra Life for 12 years straight. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best. Game. To help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta as unrestricted, ref uh, unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.com org and search for altered confusion also side note if um because we are um we support our miracle miracle network hospital is uh uh Charles healthcare of atlanta healthcare of atlanta um their um superhero cape day is coming up soon and i will be donning my cape yet again to celebrate where are you going to go with your cape? Oh, I will. Uh, I'll go. I'll go out into the streets, good sir. Out into the streets. You should like run around the neighborhood, like knocking at everyone's door. Hello, do you know what today is, sir? My kids have. They've got. They each have one as well. So we, all three of us, can go together. Nice. But yes. Um. That's coming up. That's uh, November. And of course. of course, our big thing is we'll do 24-hour Gameathon, where Charlie will play 24 hours straight and lose his effing mind. No, I'm just kidding. Did you ever have a mind to start with, sir? Exactly. I can't second. lose it if it's already gone. See? Way to be positive. <laughs> um, anywho, let us... Oh! Before I forget again, um, one of our friends of the show, Agile Axiom, who works um, uh, with satellites at NASA's Goddard campus, before I forget again, one really cool thing about Starfield is that they have, they utilize a lot of the data from NASA's like satellite pictures and whatnot. And the system that they use is the Goddard uh, satellite system for the pictures. So that's kind of a cool roundabout way of doing it. Or, uh, you know, Atalaxium is helping get that shit right. Does it mean we're going back to space? Did we ever leave space? Mm, Touche. Okay. So, s since I've been playing just a little bit of Starfield, um, and... In space? I, I sense a pain in here. In space! space. Um... And I know that Xelius has played uh, a, quite a few games 
where there's this wonderful mini game called Inventory Tetris. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and then there's, of course, the, well, you can have as many items as you want as long as it's under it's under the certain weight limit. Um, so my question for you, Zelius, is first of all, let me tell, let me talk about my experience at the beginning of these type of games, especially Starfield is uh, like a Skyrim and, and fallout where you have a certain weight limit that you have to, that, you know, you have to keep, uh, your inventory under otherwise become encumbered. You can't fast travel. Um, you start losing in Starfield, you start losing oxygen, which of course you'll suffocate after a while. Um, but um, I've noticed that in this these type of games, at the beginning of the game, I will pick up anything and everything. And then as I progress through the game, I become so finicky about what I will pick up. If the item, if the item that I see weighs nothing, I will pick it up every day of the week. <laughs> However, if it is if it's got some weight to it, then it has to be our we've got the universal color code system for, you know, like legendary and rare items and uncommon and whatever. I will only pick up rare and legendary items. I will not pick up the uncommon or just the regular items, which has screwed me in uh, Starfield, because as you advance through the game, there's a very good chance you're going to get better weapons than you have. So you could be running around with a legendary weapon that does crap uh, in comparison to this normal weapon that basically could do three times the damage, but because I am discounting the fact that it's not a rare or legendary item, I'm missing out. I know that feeling. So Zelius, what are your inventory uh strategies in games uh so most of the inventory tetris games i played are probably action rpgs mm -hmm. and at least modernly now most of them like diablos last epoch and path of exile all those they come with loot filters mm -hmm. and one of the very first things i do is figure out how to Configure the loot filter. So to your point, I'm not picking up every single common item in the game. Um, you know, usually for the first couple of levels, you have to just because you need to get some gear to start with. Right. But there definitely comes that tipping point where it's like, I don't even want to see normal or commons or even rare sometimes. Right. Um, and then if I want to get really minutia, then you can start being like, I only want certain affixes or effexes on my loot. So I don't even see like, Really good legendary stuff, but I'm not going to see it because it doesn't fit what I'm trying to get. Because I'm going for the two-handed barbarian whirlwind attack, so I don't care about sorcerer weapons mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So that's usually where I go is definitely the loot filter route. Because um, otherwise, you can literally spend your entire game, play, picking up every item, going back to town, like selling whatever you do, and then go back and play for like four minutes before your inventory is full again. Um, I do feel like there comes like a certain point where like games do go overboard with the amount of loot that drops. Yes. And I get like, it's a dopamine effect. I totally understand it. Uh, and actually a game I thought was terrible about that was actually Borderlands. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I know that's one of their taglines. It's like, so much loot, everywhere loot. But there comes a point where, like, it's too much, I feel like, yep. in some games. Where it's yep. like, you don't really need that much loot. Um, so I would actually, I'd be on the side more so of make loot a little bit more rare and impactful than super common. And you don't know what you're going to get. But sometimes I'd rather just be a little bit more uncommon, honestly. See, but here, here's here is the the true downside, and I think this would actually drive uh, Zelius um, a up a wall. Is the fact that games like uh, Skyrim and Starfield and Fallout, would I say that you could literally pick up anything? I mean, like anything. I have accidentally picked up empty plates and coffee cups and crushed styrofoam containers. Charlie, yes. there's a reason I don't play open world games like that very often because like, it's just too much. Like my puny little brain just can't handle all the stimuli between the items to pick up. So my backpack is full within the first four minutes playing yep. to the overwhelming number of quests to the open world. Nope. Sorry. It's like overstimulation. No, I can't tell you how many times that I've gone somewhere to like sell items and it, like you go into your like miscellaneous section, because uh, that's where most of the crap is. And you'll be, and I'll look at it going, when the hell did I pick this up? You know what I actually really hate in games What's like that? that? When they tie your inventory space based on weight, uh -huh. but it's modified by your strength. Ah. Like, because to me, like, I mean, I get certain things like HP and mana are modified by your stats. Like, right. But that's geared towards your player archetype. So I totally understand that. But to me, tying your weight limit as far as what you can carry to your strength is just a terrible quality of life type of way of playing the game, in my opinion. Like that's just not fun when they do that. Well, it's Starfield, they um you when you level up, you get a skill point. And uh you can put it towards weightlifting, which uh -huh which gives you, I think, 10% more, uh, the ability to carry 10% more weight. But the one thing about Starfield that does, it's both good and bad, is you could, um, they, they've got this system in place to kind of stop you from basically hoarding a bunch of skill points and then dropping them all into one at some oh, yes. point. Uh, when you put, when you put skill points into a skill, uh, in order to level it to the next one, you have to complete, uh, I don't want to say a mission, but kind of um, a challenge. Ooh. There we go. You have to complete a challenge. Like for handguns, um, the, first, <clears throat> the first level is there's no requirements, uh, but like if, once you put that in there, uh, in order to have the second level be eligible for to receive a, a skill point you have to shoot 10 people to death with a pistol uh, okay okay that's kind of cool uh for the weightlifting thing uh you have to sprint a certain <laughs> distance with 75 percent of the of your weight taken up Oh geez, um, which is never a problem for me because I'm always sprinting. Oh my god, especially in cities, I can't, and it pisses me off that I, like, I I 
like I said, I pick up everything. So my inventory is all always heavy. I mean, I'm always basically 20 pounds away from the max. So it's always going to be above 75%. And so I just have to watch my oxygen meter run out and then have to stop for a second so it can recover and then sprint again because I do not I I don't want to just wander aimlessly through places when I've got place to go. Honestly, I feel like in most games, mm -hmm. in cities, like when you're in a safe zone, mm -hmm. if there is one, yeah. should be like automatically enable sprint. Yeah. Because like every gamer wants to sprint through cities. Like that's a very normal, like everyone does it. So just give me in cities auto sprint. Is that too much to ask? I say give in cities where there are no threats, give me auto sprint. If a threat yeah. occurs, then take it away and, 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 you know, that I'm fine with. No, I'm yeah. cool with that. But most games have like safe city zones. And when there is a sprint functionality built into the game, I just build a sprint freely without any cost <laughs> incidents. You want to hear a crazy curveball? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, I got to drink something. Don't die. Oh no. Our fearless host. Not to. Um, one of the things that um, that I found in Starfield is that find planets because you're going to be sprinting a lot around a planets as you're trying to get. Oh, look, there is some kind of structure over there that's 800 meters away. And you are going to. Don't you have like a drone or no. a buggy or something you can drive nope. around? Nope. Mm -mm. No land crafts. What? How is that even possible? I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. So you can build a spaceship. Well, you can't build a spaceship, but in the game, spaceships hypothetically, can be built. people can build spaceships. You can choose. You choose your landing zone, and the spaceship lands right there. So, can you change your landing zone to be 800 meters away, closer to that structure? No, unless you visited that structure before, then you can park it right there at the structure. Damn it! Um, That's not very realistic. But here, here's the funny thing. So. Like I said, if you let's say that you're on a planet that has um, gravity, one gravity would basically be the gravity of Earth. Sure. Um, if you go to a place that's got like point one nine, so basically when you jump up in the air, you get some serious air. Nice. You can go incredible distances. To, figure this one out for me, okay? You can go if you sprint. It, you will get gassed several times going from, let's say, let's just say that you have to go 800 meters. Okay. If you sprint, it you'll you'll have to stop a couple times. Otherwise, you'll the CO2 level will get too high. However, if you sprint and jump up in the air, your oxygen will start to recover before you land again. And then you sprint a little bit, jump up in the air, and then your oxygen will recover as you know. land. Hey, that makes sense, though, because when your legs are pumping, you're using oxygen and doing the COT thing, right? But yeah. if you're in the air, I assume you're not, like, swimming in air and pumping your legs. So, yes, it's a natural rest while you're in the air. So that makes actual logical, physiological sense. But riddle me this. Yes, on the 0.19 area, uh -huh. is your weight limit also increased by effectively what would be like 500%? No. Because it weighs one-fifth of what it should. No. 
well, that's just dumb because the weight limit should go up because it doesn't weigh as much. No, you. the thing is you'll get as gassed as you would on a 1 as you would on a .19 if you are sprinting on the surface. Eh, I mean, we don't really have a good data set to actually test that theory, though. Right, that's true. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, the weight we know is going to weigh less, so that's... <laughs> At least we know be reduced. That's that kind of makes me sad, actually, that they factor that in. Yeah, I mean, hell, Mass Effect had the damn Mako. At least you could at least type that. I know, I know. Jeez. It's like, it's painful. Not even a motorcycle. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. That's so we have all this technology to not Charlie, but build spaceships. Yep, and. You can't have a dune buggy. Nope. You can't even have like a damn like little drone falling around to carry all your shit. Okay, so they don't really need to get their technology. You to don't. Get out. You don't have a drone. However, you can have a companion, which Ooh. you can load down with random shit. Okay. Can you have a robot? Or is your companion a robot, or do you just you, is it there is one robot you can have, but I do not. I don't know. I don't use that that robot. Mm. Um. Can you play the game? Mm -hmm. Okay. So to your point though, mm -hmm. you're 50 hours in. Mm -hmm. You said, so you can play the game without crafting is what it sounds like. Cause you said you don't really craft it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, people obviously will get really into crafting in the, you know, bio, not bioware, the Skyrim type of games. Mm -hmm. um, but you can play without basically doing that. It sounds like still be successful. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. As long as you're picking up, weapons and and uh equipment to you know improve your stats because really the the crafting part is for modifications to your weapons or to your um uh to your armor or spacesuit or um to allow you to craft your own food or pharmaceuticals which i've got I find so much, that's the thing. There's so much crap that you pick up that I would, I, there's no need for me. I, I've started selling all the food I've picked up because I, I've just, I'll be carrying around 50 pounds of random ass food that I won't use because I'm only using med packs to heal. So the 37 instances of celery and carrots and limes and apples and potatoes that's I'm very healthy eating, man. Well, you need those if you're there's a research center where you learn how to make a sandwich. Um <laughs> it's, yeah. I want to go to this research center. And most of the research stuff is blocked because you have to have skill points in like weapon design or spacesuit design or culinary or whatever the it's called. Or you can just put all your skill points in like combat stuff instead and just find items that Enemies drop. I've put, I've put all of my, I've maxed out my weight carrying, my health, my uh, hacking slash uh, lock picking, and Ooh. my handgun. And nice. then, oh, oh, and and my um, my scanner, which basically allows you to. It basically, when you land on a planet, you can scan things to to get like uh, experience points after you scan things. If you, I think it's like, if you scan eight 
of a certain something, and then you get like 20 experience. And you're basically mapping the, I've said this before, but like the, the plants, the animals, and the minerals. And then, of course, certain things have, or certain plants have these things called features where they'll give you additional points because it's a unique feature for the planet. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> um, but I have gotten a lot better at uh, dealing with contraband. Because you are a pirate, after all. Yes, I am a pirate. And now I understand. Um, and I also, because I put a bigger fuel tank on my, my ship, I can escape or uh, avoid those systems that have the uh, the contraband scanners. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I started a new game this week called Synced. Mm -hmm. uh, it's basically, the whole concept of the game is basically like, it's in the future, nanites took over the world, oh no. Oh, no. Um, but then you go like basically in like, they're uh, instanced missions is what they are. You okay. can either go solo or a party of three. But so the idea like, is yeah, it's like Guild Wars. Yeah, actually, it's very much like Guild Wars. Yes, mm -hmm. um, but the idea is is each mission. It's kind of like a roguelite, but not. Okay. And that like you get like overall sets can improve, but inside of each mission, there's like the substance that drops that you can't bring back to the main station because it's volatile and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can upgrade stats in each mission that don't necessarily carry over. Gotcha. And there's like drops and stuff. It's the gunplay of the game is pretty good, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I've only done like two missions, so I because it just came out. Um, but so far, it's like, huh, this is a pretty interesting game. Um, it's actually free to play, and I've not actually been like asked to buy anything yet. Is this on Steam? Yes. Um, I said I only played two missions, but like even then, having played two missions without like a single thing to buy is kind of odd, actually. Mm -hmm. Because normally, I mean, you played them where it's like immediately buy our super uber founders pack times four. Yeah. I do like the fact that um, <clears throat> looking back at some of the purchases of the founders packs that I bought uh, and how much a how much you would have to pay for the equivalent now, like for Paladins and Smite yeah, and Brawlhalla, it's freaking astronomical. Yes. Um, it's like 40 bucks when they first launched. Now it's like 150. <clears throat> that would have been the big one for us. Like, I mean, I know I don't play it anymore, yeah. but still that would have been nuts to have to have like purchased that. Cause yeah. geez. Yep. Yep. Um, Oh shoot. I can't believe we forgot our, our very good friend, uh, Craig Campbell, uh, oh, yeah. Burger games. Uh, has now a new uh, Kickstarter project for Capers Cyber, right? Is that the right one? Pretty sure it's Cyber. Yeah. It's interesting because he doesn't actually update his website with it. Yeah. That usually have bookmarked. Um, but uh, as Zelius and I can attest, first of all, Capers, phenomenal game. Uh, but basically anything that Nurburger touches is a very solid game. Plus the fact is Craig knows how to run a Kickstarter. The man is a Kickstarter guru. He never, he, he always has the entire thing mapped out and he always keeps the cost low and he always does an amazing job. So, and Craig's just a good guy to support. Yes, absolutely. 
100% support this man. He is awesome. Um, he, he does, um, well, he does Gen Con. I don't know what other conventions he does. I think he does, <clears throat> uh, PAX Unplugged, or he tried that for a bit. Mm. Um, because PAX Unplugged is more of the, kind of like the PAX version of Gen Con. Ah, yes, that makes sense. Anyways. Um, definitely did not want to forget to give him a shout out. Oh, um, uh, I know that. Um, oh, wait, there's more. I, I, I do. I, do, I know that this, this Kickstarter campaign has been over for a bit, but I do want to congratulate um, So Peculiar Games. Uh, they successfully funded their Bug and Seek game, which was available to uh, one of the demos was available to play at Momocon. Uh, they successfully uh, did their Kickstarter. Uh, so I'm excited to see what uh, will, will come of it. <clears throat> and of course, the other uh, game that was on um, uh, that we interviewed and was at um, Momocon and also did a successful Kickstarter is, oh my gosh, I just blanked out on it. The card game, uh, Flawed. They also success succeeded in their, their Kickstarter. So congratulations to all you amazing people. So what's kind of cool, Bug and Seek actually has a in-web browser demo of the game you can play. Uh -huh. That's kind of neat. And it's it it, it is kind of cool because they they keep adding to the um to like the the encyclopedia of bugs that you could find. That's kind of fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we've reached the end of our show. Unfortunately, sadly. Mm. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelius, it's been a pleasure giving you come our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts. We'll be back next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother.